Hey guys, Anna Victoria here, and I'm so excited for you to join me on my podcast, Your Best Life. I'm the CEO and founder of the FitBody app, a fitness influencer, and a personal trainer. Every week, I'm going to have a special guest that will share their unique experience and unique story to share how they learned how to live their best life, even if they're still working on it, since we are all a work in progress. I can't wait to help you learn how to create your best life. Hey guys, Anna Victoria here. Welcome back to Your Best Life. My guest today is Emily Di Donato, who is a successful model and influencer. She's been in every major fashion magazine and has been the face of many major fashion brands from Armani and Ralph Lauren to Guess and Calvin Klein. She is also an outspoken advocate for body positivity and has spoken out against body shaming by publicly sharing her own struggles with her body. And joining me, as always, is my husband, Luca. Hi, guys. <laughs> did you share with her your experience with the modeling world? I did. What was the reaction? Her jaw dropped. Um, I mean, she did say that she hasn't dealt with something that bad. So I'm happy to hear that. Hopefully that isn't the norm. But yeah, I, I never thought I'd actually share that story because it was really jarring and upsetting but the other thing I really loved about this episode is it turned into such a girl power like chat like just talking about so many different topics from like learning how to negotiate and stand up for yourself and just so many great um bites of you know girl power and yeah that's awesome empowerment girls run the world (laughs) All right. And here is my conversation with Emily Di Donato. Hi, Emily. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited to chat. Hi. Thank you for having me on. I'm so excited. I feel like this is a long time coming, at least us connecting. Yes. (laughs) Yes, it really is. We've been Insta friends thus far. (laughs) Yeah. So do you want to start by just sharing a bit about your story, like a bit about your background? Yeah. What you do? Um, So I've been a model for over 10 years now. I think I'm going on 12 years. I'm from upstate New York originally, but live in Manhattan now. But um, my career has been amazing, but slowly transitioned more into a sort of digitally focused career. I do a lot of YouTube, now TikTok, all of the things. um, I haven't quite gotten to TikTok. I tried. I just, it's a whole nother beast. And I just, how do you get the time in the day to think of what to do? Oh my God. It is so true. I'm doing my best to conquer it. I will let you know how it goes. Great. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So like you said, you are a model and you are like, there's a new, I feel like wave of Instagram models. Like that's not it. Like you are a legit model. How, how old were you when you first started modeling? So when I first started modeling, I got scouted in a mall when I was 17 years old. So I was a junior in high school and I lived upstate about an hour and a half North of the city. And my parents like drove me down to come on my first castings. And when I think back on Mm -hmm. it, it's so funny, but I was pretty young. Yeah. And was that something that you always wanted to do or did it just happen? I mean, I had always been told when I was younger that I should be a model, but Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a really like nice thing to hear, but you don't really think (laughs) like, oh, well, I'm just going to go out and do that. That wasn't really the case, especially like 12 years ago. Now 
with social media, there's way more connectivity and accessibility. But then like you had to know someone in the industry or know an agent, like it was a whole thing. So luckily I did get scouted. And when the opportunity presented itself, I was like, I mean, yeah, I'm going to (laughs) try. Right. Right. Yeah. Amazing. So prior to getting scouted, what was your family and home life like? So I grew up in a small town in upstate New York. It was kind of a commuter town, blue collar area, a lot of cops and firefighters. My dad was a New York City firefighter, actually. So he commuted into the city a lot. And it was a really nice upbringing. I mean, I grew up right across the street from a farm. Uh, My parents still live there. It's so beautiful. It's so nice. And I'm really lucky it's only an hour and a half away. But it was definitely wildly different than where I am now in the city, obviously. I think people think New York and they only think Manhattan, but it's a large state. So... So now, when you got scouted, how long until you started, like, because you, you eventually became, like, the face of some brands and campaigns. Yeah. So what was that timeline like? So it actually happened to me so quickly, and I was so lucky mm. in that sense. I started modeling when I was 17. My very first photo shoot was for Glamour magazine, and it was, like, this, you know, a couple-page spread, and that was the summer after I got scouted. And then after that, Maybelline is like the first brand that really saw me in that magazine shoot, which was the first thing I had ever done. So after it came out, they called me in like to see them and kind of do a casting and a go see and they started testing me. And then shortly after that, I had a contract with Maybelline and I've been the face of Maybelline since 2008. Gosh. Wait, you still are? Yeah. Oh my, I had no idea. Yeah. It's so long. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And that's, that's rare, right? In the modeling industry. It totally is rare. I have been so fortunate in that sense. Like people would always say to me when I first started modeling, like, you know, this career only can last you four or five years. You better figure out what you're going to do. And I'm like, I'm over here still kicking. Yeah. Amazing. How did that affect you at such a young age being thrust into the limelight like that? Yeah. I mean, it took some getting used to. And I think the hardest thing was um, all of my friends, when I got scouted, it was my junior year of high school, like I said, and all of my friends were going away to college. And I ha- I was kind of faced with this decision, like, am I going to go to college mm-hmm. or am I going to pursue this full time? So I decided to pursue it full time, but it was right. Th- I mean, I'm aging myself by saying this, but it was right when <laughs> Facebook got really popular and all of okay. my friends yeah. were posting like, albums of their raging weekends, like in college and all this right. stuff. And I was like, I'm just like in New York by myself, like waiting for my next modeling job. And I felt like I had taken yeah. such a different path and I didn't really have anyone to like rely on or relate to on it. So that was the hardest part I would say. Yeah. yeah. That is a really big difference of what you're seeing all of your friends do. And do you feel like you had kind of like a bit of that part of your life like taken from you or like did you ever feel I I know you've had such a long successful career um so you're still kind of in it but like was there ever a time that you're like oh I just want to kind of like break free of this and go crazy a bit yeah I definitely went through (laughs) that phase like especially yeah I went through that phase because I was kind of like oh I, I I miss this like college experience and I mean I know you're American you know that that's like such a big part of you know yeah 
I had my fill yeah. of college, you Did know. You? Yeah. Okay, good. That makes one of us. Got out of my system. Yeah. So I had those moments where I felt like I was robbed of that experience, but I think with a little more age and maturity, I had the ability to reflect on it and realize that like my experience was so important and valid and necessary to yeah. get to where I am today, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. That's really beautiful that you were able to reflect on that because, yeah, you had an amazing opportunity, still do, and yeah. not many people get Yeah, that, I think so. when you're younger, you're um, a little more pouty about I was more pouty about it. Then I was like, wait, that was a pretty amazing opportunity, and I'm glad I did yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And so would you say that being in the modeling industry from such a young, young age has affected your body image mm-hmm. in any way? Yes, absolutely. I mean, yeah. More so when I was younger, I felt a lot of pressure. And I did a video about this on my YouTube channel, kind of my journey with like coming to peace with my body in general. But yeah, because I was being told from many different people that I was too big and too curvy and too athletic. And it was so hard to process as a teenager because I just didn't really know what to do with that information. So I definitely went to extremes at times to try to change the way that I looked. And I had this like battle with my body and how I felt about it every single day for years. And I was obsessed with looking at it and checking it and, you know, just really. It's a part of your job in a way. It's totally a part of my job. And I think I, but I couldn't separate from it. It, It's constant, right? right? Like I couldn't get out of my body. Like it was just constant feeling and thought around how I looked. But I felt like, again, with a little bit of age and maturity and time and those growing pains, I was able to kind of come to peace with like the fact that I don't have the atypical, you know, double zero. I mean, this has changed slightly over the years, which is great, Yeah, you know, but it, it took time to, to come to peace with it and not compare myself so heavily to others. Yeah. And I love what you said about like separating yourself from your job or from your body. And that's something that I think that everyone struggles with, no matter kind of like if they're a model or not. You know, I think especially because of social media today, there's just such a spotlight put on the exterior. So aside from the social media aspect, how how did you reconcile that and, and eventually learn to separate yourself? I think it was just like I really had to get strict with myself about not letting myself and my thoughts go into this negative pattern and spiral. Mm -hmm. And I really had to be thoughtful about the way I was talking to myself, which might sound weird, but I would wake up and look at myself and be like, oh, I'm fat or I don't look good or like no one else looks like this. Other models are skinny. Why am I not like that? Or I hate this part of my body really being like, I need to like, I need to take responsibility and say, I'm not going to talk like that to myself anymore. Mm -hmm. And we're all so hard on ourselves, like, you know, more than you would be on anyone else in your life or that you ever met. So I'm curious, you must have the same like journey with. Uh, Yeah. You know, it's interesting because like, I never, ever imagined in a million years that I would 
be in the position I'm I'm at, you know in right now. Like for example, my mom was a casting producer when I was in high school, and she for for movies, and I would go on set and like it was in Mexico. And so I would like go to Mexico for the summer, you know, with my mom and be on set. And they would always try to put me in front of the camera. And I was like, no, like, I want to be behind the scenes. Show me how things work. I want to work, you know? And I always kind of like really pushed against like being in front of the camera and stuff. And so, yeah, it's crazy that like, this is where I'm at today. And I, I do think that I am really lucky that my nature has never been to associate my exterior with my worth or my importance. And I really attribute it to my brother. Really? (laughs) Because my, yeah, my older brother. So I'm one of seven children, but I really grew up really closely with one of my brothers and he's very like punk rock, like kind of like very uh, pushed against any like rules in life, you know, and I was like in high school, like the cheerleader and very like, you know, like, um, oh, head in the clouds. And he would burst my bubble at the first chance that he ever got to be like, you need to come back down to earth type thing. And I just feel like I always kind of have hit, like not his voice, but just like that idea, um, in my head that, you know, take it down a notch, you know, yes. like, you know, there's, of course it's fun. It's fun to like be in front of the camera and it's fun to do all these shoots and everything, but like, there's so much more to life than that. There's you as a person is so much more important. How you treat people is so much more important. And so, and also like, because I've never, like, I'm not a model, you know, like I never ever set out, you know, to be behind like, you know, at at photo shoots and like I just pinch myself a lot. Like I yeah. remember my first shoot when you mentioned yours. I I thought I think back to mine. It's with Shape Magazine, and I just remember just being like, "How did this happen?" And I still feel like that, you yeah. know. So I think just like a, I'm so grateful for this opportunity that like I that just kind of happened, you know. Yeah. And but at the same time, that doesn't make me immune to comparing myself. Exactly. And so. It's funny because it actually wasn't until I kind of got into the industry that I started comparing myself. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like once I was here and I was seeing like other women in the industry that are so naturally, I don't want to say fit because it takes work for anyone, but naturally lean, you yeah. know, that's, I don't want to say I'm not, um, but like I carry weight in my tummy mm-hmm. very easily. And like having a six pack is totally. like what people want to see on Instagram and like, you know, like, that was really hard for me in the beginning to be like, well, that's not my body type. I'm going to work. I can work hard, but I also don't want to beat myself in the ground to achieve this because that's not what life is about, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that thankfully, because I had that internal kind of almost like battle, I brought it to Instagram and I said, and I know you've shared some of your struggles as well, but just saying like, Hey guys, like I'm not posed all the time. This isn't what I look like all the time. And I don't want you to think that I do because you're seeing this 1% of my life of posing and sucking in as though it's my 99%. Exactly. It's, it's the complete opposite. So um, so do you want to share a bit about your experience and how you kind of shared with your struggles? Yes. Yeah. I think like when I was younger, like I said, the comparison, and it's kind of similar to what you said in the sense that I always knew that I was built differently than a lot of other girls that are scouted yeah. To be a model. Which is just crazy because you are beautiful. Like you have a beautiful body. Like in no world would anyone, you know, but but, but it's it's a different it, world. It, yeah, modeling. it's a different world. And especially then it was like, 
things have gotten so much better. And I do have to say, and I feel like there have been certain people who have been very outspoken and even brands that have been very good about championing like different shapes and sizes, which is super helpful and like really helped the industry move along. But back 10, 12 years ago, it was like, there was only one sample of an outfit and it was a size double zero. And if you didn't fit it, it was a problem. And if you came to set and you didn't fit the clothes, like that was a real issue. And I think I would just die inside when I would find out that I was like inconveniencing people. I was always someone who wanted to do a good job. And when I felt like I couldn't do that purely based off the fact that I didn't fit into something, like you really spiral. I would really get into these negative head spaces oh. where I'd be like, well, I should have worked out more. I should have eaten less. I should have been more thoughtful. And I really associated with it, it associated it with not doing a good job, which I think was the hardest thing for me. So I felt like I had that battle with my body for so long. And it was only until like five or six years into my career where I really set a boundary with my agency and some of the people that I worked with. And I was like, listen, Because when you go in for a job or a casting, whatever it may be, sometimes the Polaroids or the measurements or whatever they may be might not have been super accurate because people want you to get the job, right? Or whatever it may be. I was like, listen, I need you to be transparent. I would rather not get the job for who I really am or not succeed right now for who, just because I look this way, I would rather that be the case than try to push things forward and try to pretend to be something that I'm not. And I felt like when I set that boundary and I really was just like, you know what? And I kind of had to fake it until I made it right. Like I was kind of like, I don't know if it's going to work, but this is what it is. And I can't go any longer like fighting this. It's, it's so exhausting. So I felt like that kind of helped, but it still took time for me to even convince myself of that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, which is okay. Yeah. I think faking it till you make it is a great strategy. But I think that that's actually a really beautiful message and lesson that I think the listeners can take home is that it's not, you know, whether you're telling your agency or telling yourself, yeah. you know, like, I am not going to, you know, put myself in this box and conform, whether it's physically, mentally or emotionally. And, you know, there's, only so much that like, you know, I'm, I'm in the fitness industry, of course, like I encourage people to achieve their goals and push themselves. And sometimes it's really uncomfortable and it sucks, but you know, it's normally worth it, but there absolutely is a point that it's not worth it. You know, that you are sacrificing your health, your, your mental and emotional health, your happiness, and that's where it no longer becomes worth it. And you have to be able to have that conversation with yourself Mm -hmm. of setting those boundaries. That's really beautiful. Yeah. No one can do that part for you. You really have to change the conversation with yourself. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel social media has impacted, I would say like, A, your career Mm. and um, also like just the conversation around body image? Yeah. I mean, it's changed my career in a huge way. And at first I felt a little overwhelmed by its importance because I was like, listen, this is a full-time job on the side. It is like, right. it, it really is. And I was really accustomed to just showing up to work and being told 
who to be, what to wear, what to look like. And that was my job to really just be a mannequin. And then I had this pressure to show the world who I really am and what I'm doing off duty and my relationship. And, you know, there was just so many other elements that I felt like I had to share and I didn't know how to share it daily and all the time. And, you know, I really had trouble getting used to that. But now I feel like it has been this insane opportunity to really, because now it's like people aren't booking me because they need me just to sell a product or whatever it may be. Sure. There's an element of that, but I think social media has turned it into people are booking me as a model. Yes. But also me as Emily DiDonato and what I can bring to the table, which is, which is beautiful, insane game changer. Yeah. Yeah. But I do think that social media and it has, I think luckily there are people like you and Emily Sky and people who are honest, you know, we love her who are honest (laughs) about our bodies and, you know, the, the transitions and changes that it naturally goes through. And I, it's similar to how I was with models. Like you would see pictures of models and I would be like, Oh my God, they're always thin. They're always perfect models. This is how models are. And I need to be that way. Where it's similar. I'm with Instagram. It's like people are only showing their best angles and their best moments but I have to be really thoughtful. I either don't follow or mute people who honestly do not make me feel good about myself. And I feel like that's another element of taking responsibility of who I follow and who I decide to let into my world. You know, I have people like you and people who just have a positive outlook and inspire me. And I'm not even just saying that. And if there's someone who's posting like bikini photos and has six pack abs and like probably is naturally like that, like I'm good. I don't need to see it. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And I've, I even like kind of felt bad at some point. Cause it's like, that's so amazing. Like there's nothing wrong with that yeah. being someone's natural body, you know? And like, I've always wanted to be careful to not bash, you know, like a, any certain body type, you know, on, on any part of the spectrum. But, you know, at the same time, like you said, we have to take responsibility for what we allow into our you know, our, our really social media is a huge part of our lives these days. And ultimately you have to take care of yourself first. And I think, you know, thank, thank the Lord for the mute button. So you don't have to unfollow them, you know, these days. Yeah. I do even like, I try to, I don't, I don't know if I could call it like check in, but it's like, I, I don't want their body type to be a reason why I don't support them, you know, True. or why I'm not involved in their life. So there's also an element that I'm like, okay, I want to check in, see how they're doing. Cause I truly do care, but it's like, it's that, that underneath layer when you know how they make you feel that you need to, you know, yeah. kind of have that. Because I think action. whether we like it or not, social media impacts our mental health and can in many ways. Yeah. And I think some people might be stronger than others in terms of like processing images or video and not feeling any type yeah. of way. But I am not one of those people. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love that you're honest yeah. about it. And I love that we can have this conversation. Like also, you know, people wouldn't traditionally look at you and think that you struggled with body image or, you know, and I think that that's really, that does a disservice to women because it makes them think that, oh, well, I, I have to look a certain way to have my, um, 
insecurity is validated. Yeah. Like, no, like if you're a human being, like not to say that everyone should have them, they shouldn't, but this is life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, unfortunately, society has done a great job of making us think that we have to be a certain way our whole lives. And so no one is exempt. You can be a model that is the face of campaigns and have these concerns and these insecurities and they should be valid. Mm-hmm. You know, it shouldn't be that you have to be on one side of the spectrum or not. So anyways, totally agree. I think that's, <laughs> yeah. So I I want to share a little story Uh-oh. that I have a small, a very, very limited experience with the modeling industry that really just, I don't even know how to say it, it, it threw me for a loop. So I was approached by Wilhelmina. Okay. And I won't, I don't want to say like any more details because this really is not about like bashing them, but this is my experience. So I was approached um, and met with a director and they sent me the contract and I am, I'm not a model, you know, like sure. Like I do like, you know, photo shoots because of Instagram and everything, but like I am first and foremost, like a personal trainer and a businesswoman. Okay. If I get a contract, I'm going to read that contract, you know, and I am going to look at what they're proposing me and negotiate. Well, they did not like that. So pretty much, um, Luca, my husband and I, we went through the contract. We sent them back our questions and our negotiations. The reply I got from the director was, yikes. That was it. That was all he said. And that was it. We left it at that. And um, oh, yeah. My God. And I was just like, I was just like, is this really how they treat women in the industry that are asking questions? So what ended up happening is he came back a few weeks later and was like, hey, you know, let's revisit this again. And also one really important thing to point out is it says in the contract, you acknowledge that this is negotiable. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they put that in there because so many girls in the modeling industry that are probably young and this is their dream, they'll sign their life away and they won't read it or they don't, they don't, as women, we feel like we, we shouldn't negotiate. It's going to come across as rude or bitchy or aggressive or whatever. And they make them sign that. And if they ever raise issues, it's like, well, this was in here. Well, I did try to negotiate. I got a yikes reply. They came back. And what they said is, okay, let's revisit this. But if you ask any more questions, I'm out, is what they said to me. Oh. And we, we were just like, it's fine. We're good. Like, we don't, you, you came to me, <laughs> you know? And I just, I remember like even thinking about it just lights a fire inside me that is just like, it's not about me. It is about what happens to women in the industry and just women in general that are discouraged from speaking up and from negotiating and taking control of their brand and of their, you know, your, your brand is your business in, in a lot of ways these days. So have you ever experienced anything like that in your time? So never anything to that extent, but okay. I do and can understand why that would happen. Because when you think about, first of all, how young models are when they first usually come into this industry, they, like you said, you know, you're in fitness and you're also an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. a businesswoman, like that's where your mindset already is. A lot of girls come into this industry very, very young, and I'm sure and positive that people were not used to any sort of pushback or questions. And I know for a fact, I probably, I definitely signed the dotted, like on the dotted line the minute I got my first contract, because you feel like 
you need that and you don't know what to ask or how to ask it. And you feel like maybe they will just be like, you know what? Yikes. Like you just said, but when you're young and first starting out and you don't really have a fallback Mm -hmm. option, like you already have, you know, this amazing platform and following and business, you're kind of like, you know, I'll take what I can get. But I really feel like with age that has changed me so much and the way I approach contracts so much and, you know, the businesses and things that I learn about and kind of walk into. But I I do have to say that I cannot take full ownership of like why that has come for me. My husband has been a huge help for me. And same, same. I would yeah. literally not even read things sometimes. And I just look back and I'm like, Emily, wow. But I just also think I felt so grateful that anyone was even willing to give me an offer, which now when I think back, I'm like, no, you're lucky to have me. I shouldn't be like right, 100%. scrambling. Right, 100%. Yeah. And I think this is so important for any women listening. Yes. Negotiate. Like, do not, like, anytime, honestly, like, we, I have a team of employees. And when I'm, you know, discussing with a female, I'm thinking in my head, please negotiate. Yeah. Because I want that for you. I want that for a female to know that she can negotiate regardless of what the outcome is going to be, you know, like I just, uh, it's so important to me that women know that they don't need to stay quiet. Like they should ask questions. And if they, if you get a yikes, then they don't deserve you anyway. But I do think that's a really good point. Like I, sometimes I think though, negotiation sounds so intimidating, but something that my husband has really helped me think about it is like, it never hurts to ask. You can always ask. And the worst case scenario is it's going to be a no, but I cannot tell Mm -hmm. you how many times I have simply asked, gotten a no, asked again in a different way and got double of what I wanted. Like literally my just by being like, you know what? Actually, like, can we do this? And they're like, no. And I'm like, but can we? And they're like, okay. (laughs) So really that's amazing. Yeah. Well, I also feel like negotiating is also a statement of like, I know my worth and I know what I'm able to bring to the table and, you know, just following through on, you know, your worth and do you, knowing. Do you think you felt that way, like knowing your worth and being able to ask for what you wanted when you were 16, 17, 18? Or do you feel like that's something that you also kind of grew into? Yeah, I would say I definitely grew into it. I think that, you know, like I said, like my husband, Luca, has helped me so much with like negotiating. Like I don't shy away from it as much as I used to. Like I remember when we first started dating and he came to the United States because we did long distance for a bit when he was in Italy. You're Italian, yeah. right? <laughs> You're. I thought yeah. so. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So do any of your family members still speak? No, they Italy? don't. No. Okay. Got it. Okay. Um, so... I remember he, we were at like Hertz rental car or something and he was trying to negotiate with them and I was dying inside. I was just like, Luca, you don't do that here. And he was just like, well, like you got to try, you got to ask because in Italy, it is a part of the culture, you know, like they, yeah. they do negotiate and he's also in business and he's a man, you know, like this, he, he's a negotiator and it just killed me in the beginning. He doesn't do it to that extent anymore, you know, but like he has taught me, you know, like to be okay with it. I'm not going to say I'm the best at it. Like he does, he does take those sides of the conversations also because it's like, if you do get someone on the other side that doesn't understand that this is a part of business, because there are some Mm -hmm. people that they're, they don't, they don't want to deal with that. You know, it's like, 
I, a lot of times in the talent. And so to separate myself, it's like people don't see the business side of me behind the scenes, you know? And so just to kind of keep that somewhat separate, he does handle it. That's nice. Yes. Yeah. It can definitely be uncomfortable and getting comfortable with that uncomfortable, those moments is super helpful. Just stay quiet. Yeah, it is. Let it happen. (laughs) (laughs) Right. How do you feel like with kind of social media, do you feel like now there's like this new kind of wave of like Instagram models? So do you feel like that has affected your job in any way? Yeah. I mean, I think that the wave of Instagram models or just in general, people who get this really big following and kind of blow up, you could say, from social media. Yeah. I think it has changed things in the sense that it has made our industry and just the job of being a model, there's just an easier entry to that now, right? Like I said earlier, you needed to know someone, have an agent or whatever it may be many years ago. But Mm -hmm. now if you have a lot of followers or you have one thing that goes viral, you know, a talent agency or a modeling agency can see that and pick you up and want to sign you right away just by something that you may have just thrown on TikTok that took less than 15 seconds. I mean, literally. So that's changed. This is the world we live in. (laughs) But it's also changed things because followers matter so much now, right? And that didn't used to be the case. It was just more simple. It was like this brunette or that brunette, you know? And now it's like, well, do I book this brunette who maybe is a better fit for the job or the girl or whatever it may be? But this brunette has... 10 million followers. So I'm going to go with that one. So it makes you kind of think like, oh, I need to hustle to get people to follow me. And sometimes that feels like a a hamster wheel to me because I'm like, you know, I don't want to just get followers just for the sake of a number. And I think I want to be more thoughtful about the kind of people I want to follow me because I want them to love me for like who I am. That might sound really cheesy. Um, So it's definitely changed in that way, like how you get booked for things, many other things come into play now. Yeah. And do you feel like kind of going back to you being young and being in the industry and kind of going through that discovery of learning how to set boundaries with others and with yourself um, today on social media, that's like an everyday boundary that we kind of talked about with muting people. But How do you feel like, what would you say to a young woman that's like on Instagram and comparing herself or even entering the modeling industry? I mean, to a woman, anyone on social media, like I said, I would be mindful about who you follow and be tough on yourself about that. And think about why you're using the platforms that you're using. I feel like every platform is a little bit different, but I like love Instagram for fitness content, funny content, memes, like it's kind (laughs) of a bit lighter. And then YouTube for me is a place for tutorials to learn. You know, every platform is different, but making sure that you're using those platforms in a positive way for yourself in terms of what you consume and also what you put out there. We also have to be mindful not to, there's a lot of hate online and people are saying a lot of negative things. So, you know, making sure that you're using these things for good and like spreading positivity and making sure you're consuming that as well. And then I would say for any girls, and I know I've spoken to younger models about this because I think every time there's a new platform or a new thing that's coming online that becomes important or you need followers on, it can feel really daunting. But I think it's it's an overused word, but authenticity is so important. And just showing, it's actually an amazing thing if you think about it, that you can gain followership and people can follow you just for you being you. You literally don't have to right. do anything but that. And the right people will 
follow you and care about what you have to say, I feel like as long as you care about it and you're being authentic about it. Yeah, that's something that I do love about social media. I feel like social media has many different sides to it and can get a bad rap, but it does allow people to highlight who they are and find other people that are the same way. I was talking to, I have an 18 year old nephew and I was talking to him about how it seems like it's cool to be nerdy yeah, these days, you know, and it's like back when I was in high school, like it, that wasn't the case. And like, sorry, I'm going to call my husband out of it. He likes anime. <laughs> and when we first met, I was like, what? Like, uh, like that's all nerdy, you know, but in Italy, it's cool. Like culturally, like, well, at least for his generation, they didn't have the Disney channel. They had anime. And so that was the cool thing that like, even all the like cool girls were watching, you know, so was, he was like, what are you talking about? Like <laughs> anime is so cool. Okay. And so my 18 year old nephew also likes anime. And even like my 10 year old niece does, I feel like it's now having a revival in the United States. Um, and it's, I feel like because of social media, kind of these subcultures have been able to really get a lot more presence, which is amazing because it's like, A, there's not, as long as it's not dangerous or illegal, there's nothing that's like not cool or that you won't find someone else to connect with on that. And that's something that like, that's really why I got on social media to begin with. Cause, um, I don't know if you know very much about like how I started, but we were living in China and I was kind of like obviously alone. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, I had my, he was my boyfriend at the time, but I was starting my fitness journey and I was just like, who do I talk to about this? Like, I don't have anyone to yeah. talk to. Even all my, my classmates were from all over the world. I was the only American. And um, I created my first Instagram account just to share what I was learning and connect with other people. I was anonymous for a year on that wow, account too because it that. wasn't about, yeah, this was in 2012. So it was like Instagram was not a thing. Being an influencer was not a thing. I just wanted to connect with people, you know, and find someone else that was not only on the same journey, but experiencing the same struggles and to like talk those out. I've always been like, I feel like there's something wrong with me, how much I love talking about struggling or how much I'm okay with it. Like I have no shame. Like, and I, I think that's the way it should be, but it's like, you know, I'm one of the few. So I'm like, what's wrong with me? You know? Yeah. But um, I just think it's a beautiful thing to talk about. And yeah. So anyways, connecting through social media, you know, I agree. I think it's, it is a beautiful There's thing. There's so, so many. And like, you know, no, go ahead. like for us, like the fact that we're even able <laughs> to meet over, over social media and feel like we are friends, like internet friends is such a real thing. So <laughs> these real. Days, you know? And anyone that I'm internet <laughs> yeah. friends with that I meet with in person, like it's amazing how, especially people like you and people who you can tell are being authentic. It's almost surprising though, when you chat with them in person that people are internet friends with, cause I'm like, Oh, they're really like that. Like it's kind of amazing. Right. Yes. Yeah. I totally agree. It's so funny. I feel like there's always like a, a few minutes of like, Oh my gosh. Like, you know, even like I've met some of my girls from my community in person and it's just like, when you don't have that screen, it's like, Oh my gosh, you know, a little bit different, but yeah, it's, it's really amazing. Yeah. So so being that you have been a model since you were 17, what has your fitness journey been like up to now? Yeah. I mean, I think that when I first started, it was kind of amazing. I had always been very athletic. I played a lot of sports growing up. So I had that kind of background. I loved working out and I was aware that it made me feel really good and really happy. But then I think obviously when I started modeling and also that moment that I realized that I could manipulate my body by working out and 
food, you know, once you realize that that's a possibility, I think I really kind of ran with that a little bit. And actually food was less of an issue for me and working out became more of the thing that I really honed in on and became extreme about. I think because I had a fitness background was so athletic and I loved the way it made me feel, but I think I was like, I went overboard trying to change my body with exercise. And obviously, you know, and I know that both things matter, food, workouts, you know, it's a whole picture situation. Um, But also as a model, it's funny, you're kind of told at least many years ago, agencies and people were very prescriptive about what kind of workouts they thought were appropriate for a model. So you would be told, no, you should only be doing yoga, low impact, swimming, Pilates. Like it was very specific and people very much veered away from suggesting running or weightlifting. So I didn't pick up a weight until I was 25 years old because I was like, that's going to make me big and that's not okay. And that's not what I need, which I don't know what that feels mm-hmm. like for you to hear, but. <laughs> no, I mean, I hear it all the time. Unfortunately, like, I think that we've really made, we, we've we've made it really far from kind of like, you yeah. know, back in the early 2000s, but that still is a very ingrained thought in your everyday woman's, you know, head. And so when you did pick up the weights, what happened? <laughs> so it was when I started dating my husband, Kyle, and he was like, why are you doing like a thousand fire hydrant kicks with no weights? Like he would watch me at the gym and be like, what are you doing? And I was like, no, like, yeah. this is how I have to do it. And he was like, well, why don't you try lifting weights. Just see how you feel. Like nothing's going to do anything that drastic if you try something for two weeks. So I was like, I guess that's true. So then I started working out with him and I started lifting weights and the way it changed how I felt about myself was insane. Like the idea of feeling strong and then also being able to progress and lift more and kind of have this new area of improvement And it wasn't so much tied to how this is going to make me look. It really changed how fitness really made me feel, how it made me feel. I got, became more in tune with that. So then I was like totally hooked and I only lifted weights and that became my absolute favorite things. And I've gone through many different cycles of doing only heavy lifting to more hit workouts. Like I do it all, Mm -hmm. but I do think for anyone who having someone like you or some sort of program to start with is really helpful because I do understand that the weight section in any gym is weirdly intimidating and it's hard to take up space as a female. I still find. I know. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I love that you pointed this out because I get messages all the time of women being like, Hey, I go to the gym, but this guy is using this machine and like, there's just not a lot of space for me. And I'm just like, girl, make space. Like, come on. Like, why does someone else have any more of a right to be there than you do? Like you pay the same amount of money, like just because it's a guy, like go up, ask, Hey, how many sets do you have left? Like, you don't have to be like, you know, over their (laughs) shoulder, breathing down their neck, you know, but like, of course there's still some gym etiquette, but like the fact that women feel like they're taking up too much space and that they don't deserve to be in the weight room blows my mind. And I don't want to express too much how I feel because I don't want to make anyone feel bad because it is a valid, yeah. it is a valid feeling, you know, but like, I, I get why they feel that way, but like they, they shouldn't, you know, and, and you just, it, it takes get going in there, inserting yourself, just getting your workout done. And like, really they're like, I, I personally, I'm sure there's some really horrible people out there that 
you know, maybe this has happened. I've never, ever felt like I wasn't welcome or like I didn't or that I was taking up space. Like no one else ever made me feel that way. It's the in, the internal. Oh, of course. Dialogue, yes. You're you just know? like allowing that feeling to kind of take over. And I think it took like mm-hmm. luck. I was lucky and fortunate enough to be able to work out with a trainer very early on so I could learn. Mm-hmm. Because I think also for me, I would think like, am I doing this wrong? Are they going to look at me and think right. my form is bad or oh. it's wrong? And then once you start working out long enough, you realize that everyone around you kind of doesn't know what they're doing and stuff. I mean, you do. Right. But like, I mean, <laughs> figure it out. it's still, hey, we're all still learning. And it's also, I think, really important to say that like people, like you feel like everyone's staring at you. People are just looking at themselves. So true. You know, everyone is looking at themselves in the mirror. They're not that. It's like, sure, maybe there's the 1% minority that just, you know, have too much time on their hands. But really, for the most part, like you're never going to, you know, you're, no one's ever really going to be criticizing you. So true. So, Emily, if you were to have a young girl reach out to you that she's wanting to get started in the modeling industry, uh, what advice would you give her? So I would say right off the bat to get started on all of your social media platforms, just because it is going to become a conversation right off the bat. Now it is just so important. So even if you get to the point to meeting with an agency or any sort of representation, it's just so important. Um, And really just making sure you're staying authentic on there and really getting your own personal brand going. I wish I would have started doing that years ago, but it didn't really become so important until later, or I didn't think it was important. It was important, but I was just over here like, I'm good. Um, And then I feel like in terms of like being discovered, I don't have a ton of advice on that. I do know that a lot of different agencies do different hashtags and sort of submissions on social media to try to get discovered. But at the same time, I feel like you can really just get discovered yourself from any sort of talent agent just by being consistent and authentic on your social media platforms (laughs) and starting there. I don't know if that's bad advice, but I really don't think that you need to be going to like modeling competitions or like scouting events. Like social media is the way now to get in touch with anyone. Also, agents are on social media. If you can find them going on LinkedIn, doing a deep dive and direct messaging agents like and finding out who's where is an actual way to like get in touch with people. So Emily, since the name of this podcast is Your Best Life, what is something through your experience in life that you feel like has contributed the most to allowing you to live your best life? I think... It's a number of things. I'll say two things that might contradict each other. The first thing I would say is making sure to constantly push myself to learn and put myself out of my comfort zone because I feel like you build so much confidence that way. And I feel like it has shown my, I have shown myself that I'm capable of so much and really proving your own capability. And then I would also say really honing in on self care and setting boundaries and figuring out what you need to feel the best version of yourself, if that makes sense. And it took me time to figure out that like, you know, for me to feel like the best version of myself, maybe after a long travel or being at a party or being very social, I need a lot of alone time or I need to go for a workout or whatever it may be. So I feel like those two things are super important. I I love that because it's, it is different for everyone, kind of how we recharge or how we set those boundaries and just kind of finding where that lies for you is such a huge key to living your best life and really just, you know, um, being happy with, with where you're at at all stages in life. So 
Well, this was amazing. Emily, do you want to share where people can follow and find you? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram, just Emily Donato, Twitter, Emily Donato, all across the board, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, And yeah, this has been so nice. And I feel like I had so many questions for you as well, but I guess I'll have to save that for another day because I'm like, wait. Oh, yes. Yeah. I feel like this actually became a very girl power and girl female life lesson uh, podcast. Thank you so much, Emily. This was amazing. And we'll talk soon. Bye, guys. Thanks for having me. Bye. (laughs) All right, guys. So that was my conversation with Emily D. Donato. And I just love the conversations about negotiating and all these things, like even just taking up space at the gym, you know, like all these things that as women, we are made to feel like we're inconveniencing other people and really learning how to push beyond that. And Luca, like, you know, I, I've struggled yeah, with Yeah, those are really important conversations to have, I, I think. Yeah. I think, you know, it's not talked enough. Well, and it's also- A woman especially need to right. be okay with negotiating, with delegating. Yes. Speaking of delegating, uh-huh. do you remember a few years ago, you were just starting out your own business and what happened? Do you remember? And I told you, hey, I think you might need help because you were working until oh four or gosh. five in the morning. You remember that? Yeah. And what happened? <laughs> I kind of freaked out and told you to like, I like, I got it. I can do everything on my own. And literally the next day is when I got my first employee. Cause I was like, okay, you're right. I mean, but it's hard. It's like, especially like with what I do, like I'm so close with my community and my girls that like, I, I don't want to say I don't trust someone else to take care of them. I just don't. I have a hard time knowing that they're going to take care of them the way that I do. But I think that's exactly why you love your girls. You need to let other people take care of the accounting things, just like what I do right. for the company or the financing things. So you can focus on the things that's that, true. you know, are the most no, important. For, I really genuinely have no problem delegating accounting <laughs> and finance stuff to you. Um, but, you know, there's still other aspects of, you know, what I do that I I have to bring in help because if I don't, I'm setting my own glass ceiling, you right, know, and right. I can only be so productive as one human being. I really need five of me minimum, you know, and yeah, and I, I do trust my team. Luckily, at that point in time, when I had that mini freak out, I was still living in Italy. It was yeah. it was the very beginning. That was actually in 2015. That was like five it years was. ago. And you were also staying full time, working full time, and you had really in the time zone. Upside down yes. schedule yeah. because of the time zone. Yeah. I was literally working until three, four in the morning and I would have class in the morning. But it's because I loved what I do. What about negotiating? I think that oh. was a really interesting conversation as well. Yeah. Well, what I really love that like she pointed out is that this is something that every woman is going to need to, you know, deal with or do in her lifetime. And it's about time that we learn how to get comfortable with it and that it's not rude or, you know, I mean, unfortunately, like, I mean, I had a bad experience with it, you know, with the modeling agency that approached me and they had a horrible reaction to it, which is like, honestly, it wasn't so much that I was upset that I wouldn't proceed with this opportunity. I was more upset that women are being treated this way, you know, like in this industry or in any industry that like they're being, um, how would you say, like, how would you say? They're taking being, advantage of. They're being discouraged from negotiating. From and taking like, control of the conversation. Yeah. Right, yes. it's crazy. Yes. Would you ever feel like you couldn't negotiate? 
No, never. Like, like for me, it's like, for it's, me, it's second nature. I was, it's also, I was gonna say the same thing. It's your second nature. It is because also from where I come okay, from. Okay, I was you gonna know? say how yeah. much of that's because you're a man and how much is because you're Italian. I think it's 50-50. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that is it for this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, I would love for you to share with a friend, spread the word, and help us grow our tribe. Please rate and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes each week. You can also follow us on Instagram and join our Facebook group, both under the same name, Your Best Life Podcast, to keep the conversation going. You can also send me an email at yourbestlifepodcast at gmail.com and you just might be featured in a future episode. Your Best Life is a Gallery Media Group original production.